Welcome to Series 3, Women on the Move Behind Closed Doors podcast series. Hello, I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. In today's episode, we are speaking with Megumi Mickey. Megumi is a very special woman who is going to talk to us about her quietly powerful movement, which she started in 2016 to help quieter professionals to thrive on their own terms and expand the definition of what good leadership looks like. Megumi brings over 20 years experience and practical knowledge of business strategy, finance, leadership, organisational development and culture change. Let's hear what Megumi's got to say to our listeners today. So Megumi, so wonderful to have you as our podcast guest uh, today. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, Donnie. We've got some really, really interesting questions for you uh, and mainly around the primary work focus of yours being around quietly powerful and helping quieter professionals fulfill their leadership potential. So what inspired you or inspires you to focus on quiet leadership? There's a lot of things that inspire me, but if I thought about what got me started, I just thought there's too many people who think that they're too quiet to be a leader and they turn out to be incredible leaders. And I can think of a colleague who was exactly that. And then she got told in a leadership assessment centre that she doesn't have leadership potential. When I've seen her in action, that she was a great leader, that that really sort of fired me up and I thought, no, this can't be right. Um, So that will be one. But of course, you know, my personal story, I've always been a quieter person and I had some of my struggles. um, And then I worked out some ways to, to work with my natural tendencies and I thought it was worthwhile sharing. So that's certainly one aspect that inspires me. So what are some of the perceptions of leadership or powerful leaders that you find misleading? Yeah, so I think there's still a general sense, and and it is shifting, I have to say, which I'm very optimistic about, that the, the old definition of a strong leader in quotation marks or a powerful leader is the dominant, outspoken, in some ways masculine as well it's that strong man style of leadership is is typically what people see as leader like and, and perhaps it's a bit of a legacy from the, the what we stereotypically see as the military leader the ones that are very directive and authoritative and you know they tell people what to do perhaps that's the legacy but what's interesting is when I was doing the interviews for the book uh, I interviewed a military leader and military leaders are not like that either so so that that's really interesting. Now, I was going to say to you, even what you were describing sounds like the leader of yesterday, but there's been a, there's been a lot of work done on the feminine leadership, not, not so much meaning it had to be a female leader, but people who adopt feminine leadership. So, uh, so it's good to see that you saw a change in, in a military leader then. Yeah, it wasn't even a change. So this military leader was a retired uh, rear admiral of the Australian Navy and he, he's a quieter person. I thought, oh, that's interesting, a military leader being quiet. And so I asked him and he said, well, the, the, some of the best leaders in the military were the ones who would really listen, 
understand what's going on, plan and strategize based on the expertise of a range of people that led them into the field and they had a really strong sense of direction and strategy. And of course, once you're on the field, you've got to have the one direction. So you've got to be quite authoritative. But yeah, so, but he said 80% of the time, you have to shut your mouth and listen. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that old, um, we have two ears and one mouth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what do you think are the best attributes perspectives or strengths quite a professionals can bring to a business or organization other than those listening skills? Yeah, so I was going to say every single Quietly Powerful that I spoke to talked about the listening and what that led to. So the, the listening allows them to really reflect and challenge their own thinking, which leads to innovation, which leads to challenging, you know, old ways of doing all of those things. So it leads to other things. It also allows when you're present and you're listening, you, you're much more inclusive. You know, you don't dismiss people out of hand. You don't dismiss people with people uh, who are different or have different perspectives. So there's a whole lot of um, flow on effects of that strong ability to be present and listen. So I think that's a really key element of a quietly powerful leader. Uh, but the other thing is the uh, perception or real sense of calm. So mm. I say perception or real because sometimes <laughs> I, I suppose I, I can talk about myself where, you know, having a Japanese face and being a little quieter, even if I'm stressing out on the inside, I can still come across as very calm. And that's been very beneficial. <laughs> um, while as um, if you can be calm on the inside as well as on the uh, outside, that can be an absolute superpower, especially in times of uncertainty and chaos because it allows people to calm down and think more rationally rather than panicking and making really uh, ir irrational decisions. And I'm sure you know that that calm is contagious. Absolutely. And so if you can be that centre of calm, you know, some of the Quietly Powerful leaders talked about how they were seen as the rock in the team. And I think that's a really powerful place to be. And you get that image of the duck going like crazy underwater. And it's very that's calm it. and serene on the top. That's it, that's it, and, yeah. And it's interesting, I don't know how much you, you were around uh, lots of leaders over the COVID time, particularly in the first three to six months, where the leaders that you thought would do really well in in crisis such as that didn't, and the ones that you didn't really stepped up and, be, and were really good. And I think it was because they remained calm. Yes, yes. Calm and I think thoughtful was the other thing I would put in there as well, where people tended to listen to and trust the people who thought through things as opposed to kind of rushing through and, you know, didn't show that calm but also didn't really demonstrate that they've thought through some things because it was such a complex and chaotic time. Mm, exactly. So to our, for our listeners, share any strategies or tips on how quieter people can bring their energy into a room or a meeting because sometimes the quieter reflective people have really good things to say but they they don't put themselves forward uh, and generally the, the conversation moves on and then they realise that they could have added value but, but the, the time's passed. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, there's several points on that one. Um, it reminds me of one of the interviews that I did with a partner from a professional services firm who is a, a very small person and a woman in a quite a male-dominated area. 
and uh, she said she's also quietly spoken and she said she makes a terrible first impression when she walks into a meeting because she's almost invisible, you know, surrounded by tall men. And, and so she said she, takes a, she makes a terrible first impression so she works really hard to make a really good second impression. Oh, and right. to do that, what she does is she walks in, she sits in an area where she can be seen, but also when she does open her mouth, she says something really impactful by being present, by listening to others and making a really relevant point rather than just some kind of random point or something you've pre-thought. And she said that that makes a big difference because then all of a sudden, even though she was invisible before, people go, who was that? Who was that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they realise, oh, there is somebody there that is, you know, didn't realise but now they start to listen. And, uh, and also what she does is she speaks in a, in a calm tone and not too fast and, and, so, and not too much. And I think that has a great impact rather than over-talking. Over-talking never has a good impact. No. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for the one who's trying to get a word in. That's it. <laughs> so from your experience, how have you learned to bring that quiet energy in a way that has helped you work with people who are opposite to you? For example, loud and gregarious and extroverted. Is it more of what you just described on this person in professional services? Yeah, a little bit. I think the other part of it is what I had to learn personally was to get comfortable with my nature because I had this thought that I'm not as good as the ones that can talk really a lot or eloquently or whatever. So I had this little critical voice in my head going, I'm not very interesting, I'm a bit boring, you know, etc. And that got in the way of me being present in order to think of the useful things to say. So there's a lot of that internal dialogue, if you like, that gets in the way. And I'm sure it's not just quieter people, but it's, you know, for all of us, if we really wanted to make an impact, that ability to manage those little voices and be completely present and be there for the people you're with, I think makes a huge difference even before you open your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Totally So I think agree. that's the, that's been key for me. So getting comfortable and then being fully present when I'm with other people. And I think that's made a big difference. And, um, and when I do say something, people really listen. And so and they create the space for me, knowing that I am a little bit quieter and I might take a little bit longer to say something or, you know, I might, I'm a slower speaker than many. So, so that's probably, yeah, something that's worked for me. So, Megumi, did that come from experience, though? I mean, I understand, you know, locking out the, the, the critical voice, but, but in having that presence in a meeting room or in a room so that others will listen when you do speak up, did that come from more of your recent experience working in bus- with businesses and leadership or did you learn that, learn that earlier on? Uh, it's a bit of both. So probably the last um, uh, five, ten years I've been studying these quietly powerful leaders, that certainly helped. But I've also invested a lot in my own personal and professional development. And one of the things that I did was uh, a process-oriented psychology. It's a branch of psychology and really uh, investigated 
what my internal state was and my little voices and how to deal with those. And so I've learned a number of techniques to deal with those. And that's what some of the things that I do uh, when I coach other people to help them with those. And that's been very, very powerful for me. And it's been very powerful for the people that I've coached. Can you share one of those tips to quieten that inner voice? <laughs> um, I don't know if it's as simple as a tip, but one thing that I would suggest that's really helpful or one of the first steps to do is to distance yourself from the voice because it often just gets stuck in the head and yes. it goes around and around and around <laughs> and, and it gets so noisy that you can't hear any other useful thoughts that you might have. So to put it outside of your head and imagine it's somebody else telling you those things. So rather than saying, oh, I'm boring and I'm no good, I'm not as good as somebody else, imagine that some other character is saying, you're not as good, you're, you're um, you know, not as interesting or whatever it is. So then it's separated from you. And then the process that I work through with people is to really negotiate with that voice and, and it makes it a little less overwhelming. I heard a quote many years ago, Megumi, and it goes something like this, your head is a bad neighbourhood, don't go there <laughs> Don't go there alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose if you look at some of the spiritual traditions too, they talk about you are not your thoughts. Exactly. Right? So it's, or, what, so, or what anyone else thinks of you is none of your business. Yes. <laughs> I yes, love that that's one. Right. <laughs> that's a good one too. So you talked earlier about being a, a, well, an author and interviewing people for your book, Quietly Powerful, which has been extremely successful and won the Australian Career Book Award for 2020 and the best leadership book for 2020. So congratulations. Can you tell us about your book writing journey and who your book benefits the most? Yeah, my book writing journey was interesting. I procrastinated and procrastinated. <laughs> I, I thought to myself, I've done enough interviews, I need to write it. And that was probably a year or two into interviewing people. And it was only uh, year three that I started oh. to write. <laughs> partially because I was busy with other things, but partially because I procrastinated. And it was only when I finally spoke with a publisher who is wonderful and I said to her, I, I've been procrastinated and I really want to get this out this year. And she said, well, if you want to get it out this year, you have to write it by June. And this was in January. <laughs> so I no thought, pressure. Oh, okay, I better get cracking. <laughs> and uh, so that got me, that external deadline really helped because I just thought, okay, I committed to her, so I better get it done. So I had all the material and it was really, the writing of it was, if I thought about it, the, the bulk of the writing was in within three months. Right. So it was actually not a long time in terms of the writing part. It was all the pulling everything together and doing all the interviews and, and thinking about all the themes and how to put the concepts together. That took uh, a lot more time. Was your book for the benefit of a, a particular, like the, the more quieter leader? Was that your original intention? Yeah, so it was originally. And then my publisher said, well, actually, it's useful for everyone. So why don't you write a few more bits to engage other people? So I've actually got a whole section called For the Not-So-Quiet People. <laughs> <laughs> because if you think about it, those quiet superpowers that we talked about earlier is just as useful regardless of your personality or what natural tendency you have. 
And I believe in this world of uncertainty and change, that ability to listen and really be present with people is so important regardless of whether you're naturally quiet or not. And so I feel, felt like there's some things in there that's useful for anybody. Um, and I think we underrate the value of quietness in a whole range of ways because it's not visible and it's not uh, very often thought about. And uh, But if you think about it, there's more movement around mindfulness, meditation, silence, um, you know, solitude, and so reflective time. And so I think it's time that we really started to appreciate and value those aspects of ourselves, regardless of personality. Yeah, well said. And if, and if anything that has come out of COVID, I think it is m more looking after yourself and looking after people who mean a lot to us and our communities. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I do mm. love that outcome of COVID. So my last question is when I was listening to one of your interviews, um, you said that you had developed the I don't give a toss muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when I heard that. <laughs> it's the only muscle that seems to be growing. <laughs> Everything else is totally deteriorating. <laughs> I, I there there is one final saying, and it was um, uh, uh, it was another quote, a, a bit longer, but it was when you're in your twenties, you give, you care what everybody else thinks. When you're in your forties, you no longer care what anyone else thinks. And when you're in your sixties, you realise no one was thinking about you in the first place. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, that is wonderful. <laughs> and, and it is. We spend so much time in our younger years worrying about what everyone thinks and what That's everyone's so on. You know, it's a, a lot of wasted energy. But when I, when I heard oh, you totally. say that you don't give a toss muscle, <laughs> um, I loved it. Yeah. Megumi, thank you for being such a wonderful podcast guest. Uh, I know our listeners will appreciate listening to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Donnie. It's been fun to <laughs> chat with you. Very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Move podcast brought to you by Behind Closed Doors. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. To find out more about leadership and professional development for you, visit BehindCloseDoors.com where you can find the full range of memberships and coaching and mentoring options available. This is a Narrative Network podcast.